so when you have a complete disruption like this, it really is that opportunity to take a step back and, you know, think about, are we on point with our mission? Are we on point with our store operations? What's the best way to move forward? How do we appeal to donors and customers knowing that their world is changing just as much as ours is? Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Teresa Mackin, filling in today for Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if you're wrestling with a tough leadership topic you'd like for us to explore, or if you know of someone who would make a great guest for our show, send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at IUPUI.edu. Businesses are starting to plan for re-entry or relaunch once the economy opens again, however that may look, but businesses are only as strong as their employees. So how do you make sure your employees and yourself are ready for relaunch and what can you do to support them now? Today, we're talking with Chrissy Vasquez, who is the Chief Development Officer at Indie Reads and one of our Evening MBA alumni. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be here. So tell us a little bit about Indie Reads and uh, how you guys have had to change and ad- adapt during the COVID-19 pandemic. Sure. So Indie Reads is a local nonprofit here in Indianapolis, and we are primarily doing adult education classes. We provide free literacy and English language skills and workforce development to adults here in Marion County that need that support. Um, We also have a used and new bookstore that we operate as a retail small business as well. So we're one of the few nonprofits that has that arm as well. So everything that's been going on right now has definitely been a lot of, um, gosh, we've really had to be flexible and nimble as an organization. We've had plenty of Zoom meetings to have conversations about what's the best way to go. Um, Within our classrooms, we've had to move all of our students to a virtual environment, which not all of our students have experience using technology. When you have a low literacy skill or English is not your first language, it's really hard to navigate those online tools. So we've had instructors using a variety of Zoom meetings. They use Facebook Live. They may use pre-recorded videos, all different types of ways to deliver the curriculum. And then we also have been really beefing up our staff support. So Our staff always stay in contact with our students. We have a student navigator who helps connect students to employment or resources, but that has really been a vital lifeline for our students because they're so used to either walking into a physical office to get services. So now they have to learn how to navigate it online. Um, They can't comprehend sometimes the news stories. Even if you hear it on the news, it still can be hard to comprehend what's going on. Uh, There's a lot of information. So when you have a low literacy level, it's just really hard to make your way through it. So our staff has been a great support for our students, not only helping them in the classroom and with their educational plan, but also being a companion and an ear to listen and ask any questions and answer any questions our students may have about what's going on in the world around them and connecting them to those vital services they need. And then, of course, you have the bookstore, like you said, that you've had to try to figure out, you know, once once that had to be closed physically, how do you continue with the employees and all that stuff? Yeah, it was definitely kind of a stair-step plan. So we were fully open and then we had to go to, the store was closed to the public and we did curbside pickup. And that was actually really popular. Um, we started doing, providing a new offering that we never had done before. We were providing these mystery bundles So you could get a stack of used books in different genres, like say you wanted children's books or you wanted mystery or autobiography. 
Um, so it was a selection of those books and it was kind of a, you know, grab bag of what you were going to get. And so that was actually really popular with people. And so I think that's something that we're going to continue going forward. Um, when we had to finally close everything down, when the shelter in place um, was put in place, then that really changed our operations because we were no longer able to access any of our used books to sell. We could only access new books that we could ship directly from the manufacturer to people's homes. And we used our staff to start creating virtual content to engage not only our followers and supporters of what we do at Indie Reads, but also our customers in the bookstore, trying to, for a couple of reasons, keep them engaged. So, you know, we all get through this together. And we've been providing different virtual engagement opportunities, like an online book club. We've provided download worksheets and puzzles and coloring sheets, just all kinds of activities to keep people um, happy and to give them some ideas on how they can you know, participate in life outside of work, because I feel like that's all we ever do at home is work. So providing <laughs> some activities so people can take that kind of stress break throughout their day. And we were, we were also talking earlier about how, you know, it's not only for customers that need that stress break, it's also for us every day working, like you said, mm-hmm. it, when we work from home, sometimes it seems like work never ends. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've talked with so many different professionals and peers and even my own staff about, you know, we don't have to spend an hour commuting back and forth to work. So where does this extra hour that we found go? Because it doesn't seem like we have it in our work week. And I think it is hard to shut, okay, I'm going to shut work off and go to home. And especially if you don't have several rooms you can work out of, if you're working and living in the same space day to day, that can definitely make it hard as well. I know you were talking a little bit about just making sure to stay in touch with all your employees, but how have you been working to make sure, you know, you're okay and they're okay um, because all of this is kind of twofold. It's like you've got this personal side that's going through a crisis that we all are going through. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the professional side as we're working to keep businesses going. Um, how have you, you know, worked to make sure that everybody's um, okay? So I think communication has, you know, increased tenfold during this. And I've always believed that the whole person shows up to work just like the whole person shows up at home. And so I always wanted to be mindful of that. So I feel like I've set a relationship with my employees that we have, you know, some personal connections that we can talk about. Every check-in I do starts with, how are you doing? And now, especially, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, what are you doing to take care of yourself? My boss asks me the same all the time. So just making sure that people are getting that self-care in because as obvious as it is right in front of us, it's so easy to forget. Um, For example, yesterday, my eyes were killing me. I've had too much screen time and I just had to take a, you know, 45 minute break away from technology. And I let my team know that I'd be offline for 45 minutes. And that did so much with my eyes that I could come back and work. You know, you just have to take those things as you need it. Um, You know, I've been doing a couple of different things in the morning. I text my staff just to check in. Hey, how are you doing? Here's something fun I did last night. This morning, I told my staff, hey, I heard they're doing a parks and recreation reading. Um, around the coronavirus and they were all excited because they're big park and rec fans. Um, You know, people will share pictures of what they did over the weekend or share, you know, fun articles that they've seen. So it's really gotten people talking in the morning, which is a nice way to start off the day. Um, We definitely stay in contact. We use some meeting or um, project management tools that we communicate back and forth in. Everybody's been putting what their top three things are that they're working on for the day. So that way everybody kind of has exposure and kind of knows what what kind of day people have. 
And it's been a really great tool to keep us all connected. And then we have been doing some virtual happy, happy hours or coffee um, meetings in the morning just to kind of talk about things outside of work and just really trying to stay in communication. We text quite a bit, just how are you doing? What's going on? I've heard a lot of good things about those virtual happy hours. I feel like that's just refreshing to, you know, even if you're with coworkers to just have a moment to not talk about work. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I personally always do a puzzle during those. Um, I can that's really so listen to what everybody's saying. And then I have time to work on a puzzle because I work on a puzzle throughout the week. That's something I don't usually do, but it's new to this whole thing. I'm actually on puzzle number nine. Since I've been working from home, they're getting We're going to have to see some pictures of those later. <laughs> yes. I've been taking pictures of each one so I can log that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been nice to hear staff talk about, you know, what their animals are up to. And people have been showing their animals on the screen or showing their kids or, hey, look at this piece of art I have in my house or, you know, look around. And I think that's one thing that's really changed about having these virtual meetings as much as. I'm so over Zoom meetings at this point or electronic meetings. It's nice to be able to see into somebody's house because then it makes them a real person. Not that you're not a real person at work, but you know, you only see the one side of them. So um, I think that's been a nice refreshing change to things. I think so too. You get to see everyone's dogs and babies and cats and what their kitchen looks like and yeah. it, <laughs> it really yes, does absolutely. make everyone everyone kind of on the same level almost too yeah ab no absolutely you're right it definitely does remove that you know you no longer feel like you have you know the boss and upper management lower management mid management it's all one uni mm -hmm. unified force working together i feel like we've kind of it's been hard to get into a routine, but many of us may have gotten into a little bit of a routine at this point. And of course, it's going to start to change again once things change. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we might, who knows what it'll look like when the economy starts to reopen. Obviously, it'll go slow. Um, but how do you make sure that, uh, you know, we can talk about in a second obviously the plan to relaunch the business in general, mm -hmm. but what's the reentry plan for the human side when you talk about, you know, making sure your team, your team is okay as well, making sure that everyone's, you know, on the same page when it, when it might come to more change. Yeah. I think, you know, the message that I gave my team as we were entering all of this was we have to react fast and be nimble, right? So think information was coming out so quickly. It was changing literally within hours. So really asking people to be flexible um, and fast responsive. And I think it's kind of the same thing going back into this relaunch. Um, we just don't know, you know, we can guess what's going to happen in the next step and what the timeline is based on what other states are doing, but we don't know that. I mean, Illinois just extended theirs where other states are dropping theirs. So um, I think it's just being prepared that this could happen anytime and pretty soon it could, you know, hit the gas. As far as that personal reentry, I think it's really making sure that that my staff and myself are really mindful about what we did during this time that we want to keep with us. And so we had a conversation about that regarding the business. And it also kind of then flowed into a personal conversation of what do we start, stop and continue, right? We've had this break. So maybe things that we've done in the past, we don't have to do because it's kind of like a, a reset. Maybe we've done some things now that we really like that we want to keep. And that's the same thing with our, with our personal lives. I think, you know, everybody's had a lot more time with their family and a lot more concentrated time. And so I think that's been great for people. I'm sure some people are at their wits ends, just not being able to see different people, but, you know, having that together, 
togetherness time? How do you plan for it when our lives start kind of picking up and going back to whatever the new normal looks like? Um, thinking about finances, right? We haven't had a lot of opportunities to spend money at the stores and you know, um, shopping at the malls and things like that. So, you know, being mindful of what do you want your finances to look like going forward? I think this was a big eye opener for a lot of us that, oh, maybe I'm not as secure financially as I thought I was. And so do I need to build a little bit more of a safety net on things? Um, and then also kind of what wellness things have you started that you want to keep with you as well? I know several people that they turn electronics off after they stop work. You know, do they want to continue that going forward as they relaunch themselves? And talking about um, the business, what are some things that you found? You talked about like a virtual book club that you want to make sure you keep going with. Um, yeah, we're so we <laughs> we've been doing a virtual book club every Friday at five thirty, and at first it started off with just our bookstore staff talking about a book they were reading, and people can get on, book lovers could get on and talk about different books they've read, and then we started getting some local authors interested in doing a reading of their book. Um, this Friday we have Ben Winters, who's an author that lives in California that used to live here in Indianapolis. He's going to do a conversation about his book. So we've had this opportunity to open up to people that we wouldn't normally a get to be able to come into our store when we have these events in the store, and then also wouldn't be able to, um, you know, we wouldn't be able to get some of these big names to come in and do these events. So it's been a really cool opportunity to try something new, and I think that's something we're going to continue with. Um, especially the communication with the team. Um, you know, I've been emailing the staff every Friday, like, hey, here's what we accomplished this week. I keep it very real. Like, yeah, this is great, but we still have to keep doing this. Um, and so I want to keep that communication up. I don't know why I've never thought about doing that before. I don't know that it necessarily needs to be every Friday moving forward, but staying in better communication with the team and linking the team to each other because we do have you know, our development marketing staff and our bookstore staff that aren't always in the same space collaborating together. So how do we bridge that gap and keep that communication going? A lot of, um, I've been talking to a lot of our Kelly professors um, about, you know, how to handle, how to lead through this. And a lot of what they're saying is um, taking a step back and looking at what mm -hmm. you do and how you do it and figuring out, like you said, what you can keep and what, what you actually don't want to do yeah, um, you know, when, when we might move to our new normal. <laughs> yeah, I think there, it's a, it's a great way to look at what are the non-essentials that we don't need to do anymore, right? I think mm -hmm. businesses and nonprofits and all types of organizations get in this trap of, well, it was done this way when I got here, you know, it works fine. So there's no reason to change it. And so when you have a complete disruption like this, it really is that opportunity to take a step back and, you know, think about, are we on point with our mission? Are we on point with our store operations? What's the best way to move forward? Um, how do we appeal to donors and customers knowing that their world is changing just as much as ours is? Um, so how do we connect, stay connected and engaged with them? Speaking of donors, that's, that's your job. How have you been able to stay connected? You said even um, through this, you've, you've been able to add, have the time to add some personal touches even to different mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, it's been really nice. I've had the opportunity to email every single donor that has done an online or a physical donation, um, which I don't normally get that time or that luxury to do, even though it's one of the things I should absolutely be doing. Um, it's been nice, though. I've been able to do it with a $5 donor, and I've been able to do it with a $1,000 donor. And I've been able to, you know, pick up the phone and call when those, don you know, bigger donations come in and have a conversation with the donors. 
um, really, we've had some time to slow down and look at, at our email analytics and decide how can we do some things differently to increase the value of our emails to our, our followers and supporters. Um, so that's been a really nice touch as well. It's nice to have time for those things that you're like, oh, we need to do it, but I don't have time for it. It's nice mm -hmm. to kind of stop it a little bit, slow down and do that. And so that's good habits that we've started. So how do we continue those as we start reentering mm -hmm. into the new normal? Yeah, absolutely. Especially because with fundraising, it might all change. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know when we'll be able to have big events again and stuff like that. So having those different avenues to reach people and customers is, is important at this point. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. So we were supposed to have a fundraising event May 7th, and we looked at possibly postponing it to June, and then we were looking maybe we need to have it in the fall, but now there's so many organizations moving their events to the fall, so at what point is the market saturated? Are donors even going to want to get together in big gatherings for events? Will they have the same desire and ability to support when you ask for the donation at that event? So we've really been having those conversations about does it make sense to try to do something this year? Does it make sense just to kind of scrap them this year and start next year? Does it make sense just to do a virtual event in the fall? That way we don't have to worry about any future in and outs of scheduling. And, you know, if we have to go back into a shelter in place later or things like that. Um, so there's just a lot of moving parts that you have to plan for. And then you also have the revenue that's lost from that. And what that translates to for us is we have students that are, like I said in the beginning, that are relying on us, their literacy is directly linked to their ability to have a good life. It's directly linked to their healthcare. Um, literacy is actually the number one social determinant to determine what somebody's health is going to be over gender, over where they live, over race, anything. It's, it's all about literacy. So it really is a building block. And so without those funds, we can't support as many students as we need to because we offer all of our programming at no charge. That's so cool. Um, we were talking about Indie Reads and just the... Um what the part that it plays in, you know, helping people um, in Indianapolis. Um, and it's, it's awesome that you've been able to maintain that, you know, virtually through all of this. I just think that's so important. Yeah, we've been working really hard. Our staff, our program staff and our instructors have done an amazing job of having the situation placed on them very quickly and, you know, really thinking about our student in mind. How can we help them? How can we continue to teach them. For example, we had one student who can't get on to a Zoom call or any sort of electronic. He can only use the phone. So we had a teacher, um, one of our staff drop off at his house, like a letter block so he could practice the alphabet with her on the phone. So oh, he's wow. still learning like what the letter and what the sound is. So he, she would work with him on the phone about that. We had another student who also doesn't have access to the internet or a smartphone. And so he just wanted to learn how to read the Bible. And so they're working out of the same Bible and they read today, every, every day together. And she helps him with any words that he might be having trouble with. And as he's read throughout the day on his own, he'll make a list of words he doesn't know so she can help him. So really having to you know meet our students where they're at and figure out a solution for all of our students, regardless mm -hmm. of their situation. Illiteracy is something that people don't talk about. And I think that there's probably somebody in everybody's life that can't read or struggles with reading and you would have no idea. There's a lot of workarounds for that. Um, one in six adults in Indiana cannot read above a fifth grade level, which is pretty mind blowing to me. 
And then if a child has an illiterate parent, they are 72% likely to become illiterate themselves. So it definitely is something that can be generational as well. So it's a, it's a huge issue in not only Indiana, but across the country. And so making it something that people don't have to be ashamed of. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, if, if you're new to this country and you can't speak English, there's a little less stigma and shame around it. But if you're an adult that can't read, um, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt and embarrassment around it. So really empowering adults to get over that and know that they can have a better life and they can achieve their goals and they can read a book to their grandchildren one day. Um, and that there's plenty of people that are going through it just like them and they don't have to be scared. Our teachers and our instructors and our staff are so incredibly supportive and empathetic to our students and really want to help them succeed and achieve their goals, whatever those goals may be. Just pivoting and adapting and like you told mm -hmm. your staff, staying flexible and just trying yep. to figure it all out. <laughs> yes, it's a sometimes it's a hurry up and wait game. <laughs> That's how I feel right now with, you know, kind of when are we going to be able to get to the back to the bookstore? So I think the approach that we're taking is what's a staged approach. So it's not necessarily on the state we're going to do this, but when things open up a little bit, here's the next step and here's what being in the store looks like for our staff and what the protocol is for staying safe. And then, you know, the second step, here's what we're going to add on and the third step and things like that. So that's been helpful to have some sort of general idea of where we're going, knowing that the details are going to kind of sort themselves out a little bit more as we get more information. I feel like it's all just planning for multiple scenarios and kind of waiting to see. And, and above all, like we were talking about, just to kind of wrap this all up and come back to it. Um, also making sure just that we're, we're okay. And, you mm -hmm. know, our um, team's okay. And just to make sure that the, that the human aspect um, um, in all of these teams, as we work to make sure the business is good, stays, you know, healthy and, and, and happy, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're only as good as your talent. Your employees are your biggest asset. So making sure that they're taken care of. So really working with the staff over the next couple of weeks to make sure they're okay on their personal reentry plans. Um, the kind of quick transition into this was a shock for some people. So making sure that the transition back isn't equally as shocking. Um, even something as simple as my dog. I'm home with my dog 24-7. He expects two walks a day now. He has his morning <laughs> right. treat, his afternoon treat. In fact, today I had to run out and get something and I put the shoes on that I usually wear for our walks. And he got upset why I was gone and wasn't a good boy because I think he correlated you're going somewhere in the walking shoes without me. How dare you? Um, so, you know, it's even looking at my schedule of how do I get him back into a routine? So when I do leave, I don't leave very often, but when I have to go get something, I go through the routine as if I were leaving for work with him. So that way he's getting in the habit of going back to that. I'm going to have to stair step my time back in the office. I can't go back to the office five days a week, you know, 40 hours on a dime on him. <laughs> He'll wreck havoc on the house. So how do I stair step it? Not only for me and my, my well-being, but also the animals and the same thing for people with children. You know, how do you kind of work your way back into a routine and how do you build that routine that you want to keep? You know, we've had so many weeks to reflect and work on things. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure for people to use this time to be productive, you know, doing stuff around the house, picking up a new hobby, working out, things like that. But, you know, that's not always the case. And that's not always what everybody wants to do or needs to do with their time. So it's um, really taking this time that you've used it for and make sure that it was valuable. 
So if you did get into some sort of new routine, how do you keep that going forward for you? Or if you, um, you know, got some new traditions going on, how do you keep those moving forward? I actually saw a friend who was saying how she's like, I'm not going to pack a child's lunch for the rest of the year. And she got a little nostalgic about it because it was a little preschooler going off to kindergarten. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of things like that, that sneak up and kind of take us by surprise how much Mm -hmm. it means to us or what it, what it has, how it has impacted our lives throughout all this. Yeah. And just staying conscious about the fact that it might affect you and knowing that and being okay to deal with it or talk about it. Yeah, I think that's important is to talk about it, right? I talk to my employees all the time. Like if if something's changed with you or you're not feeling it today or whatever, have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I can't help you if I don't know what we're dealing with. And so the same thing is helping everybody realize that this is going to be different going back. And so we have to be prepared to just process the feelings and the emotions yeah. that are going to come with it. Because it's, it's not like when we, it's not like a green light, you know, it's not like the monopoly board where we're coming back to go. And all of a sudden we can sprint back into life how it was because everything's going to look completely different, right? There's a lot of states that can't even gather for concerts or things like that. And so our, when we go back to being able to be out and about, it's not going to look the same. And I think that's going to have a big emotional impact on a lot of people. Absolutely. Something to be aware of and something to think about. Chrissy Vasquez, Chief Development Officer for Indie Reads. Thank you so much for being our guest today. And thanks for making my first long form podcast so fun. Congratulations. You did a great (laughs) job. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate everything that the Kelly School of Business does for our community. And I want to thank anyone listening in Indianapolis. Thank you for the support that you give our nonprofit and our bookstore. It really means a lot. It makes a difference in the lives of others. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Teresa Mackin, filling in for Matt Martella. Don't worry, he'll be back next week. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.